back. Welcome to the SEDC podcast presented by our friends at Insightful. Insightful provides real-world innovations for economic development. Insightful believes that your digital tools should work as hard as you do for your community. That's why Insightful creates data-rich modules, websites, and digital outreach designed to make your visitor take notice without complicating your day. From core four modules, three pillars, digital marketing strategies, and comprehensive websites, to research and analysis, videography, and collateral design, Insightful works tirelessly as your on-call EDC marketing department. So thank you to the team at Insightful and Ray Methvin for partnering with SEDC to present the podcast. So my name is Matt Tackett. I'm the president of the Southern Economic Development Council, and I have some great news today. I'm joined by the other Matt, the most important Matt, Mr. Matthew Darius is here. So welcome back, Matthew. How are things in HQ1 and ATL? Uh, Everything has gone great. Um, We uh, just came off our uh, best annual conference of uh, the last 10 years, over 450 people. Um, And now we're jumping in and working on 2024. So we're going to have some very exciting things to announce here for media consultants and our annual conference in Savannah coming up very soon. Yeah, so many great things that I want to dig into um, in just a little bit about SEDC. But, you know, it's been a little bit of time since you and I were together on on the podcast here. So I think it was earlier this summer when uh, before we turned it over to Ray Methvin, who's the best host on this thing. Yeah, he's great. Since we've last chatted, just how about an update with you, the fam? How's the summer been? What are the highlights? Uh, Summer's been great. Family's great. Um, You know, my wife uh, was sick for a little bit, but she's uh, much better now. My daughter Scarlett is absolutely thriving. Uh, We put her in a new daycare that's more Montessori-based, and she is just kicking butt um, and making friends of of everybody. Um, SEDC, you know, everything here is going great as well, so... I love seeing the pictures uh, of Scarlett and, and how she's she's growing. Now, one thing I, I didn't know about her that I think we just learned, looks like she's mm. a, a budding uh, Marvel fan, seems like. So full disclosure, yes. Matthew will be mad at me, but we just saw the, the cutest family pick. Matthew's got his Captain America shirt on. Well, there's Scarlett got it on too. So is that her favorite superhero in the universe right now? Oddly enough, no, she likes Spider-Man. Uh, oh. Friend that I had a prior daycare loved Spider-Man, so they became friends, so she liked Spider-Man. She watches Spider-Man on, you know, Disney Plus, things like that. Had She was a Spider-Man for uh, Halloween last year, but uh, I just happened to have a uh, Captain America Under Armour I was wearing a couple weeks ago, and she wanted to match me. Um, so I got her a Captain America hoodie and a Captain America shirt, and she demands to wear it all the time now. Um, we were down in Panama City Beach last weekend, and that was uh, one of the outfits she had to have for our, our full day there so she could tell everybody that she's Captain America and she she doesn't know the big difference between the two characters but she shot some spider webs and you know just had a had a great time that's that's so sweet a few a few months back when we asked Matthew who'd play him in a movie he said Chris Evans Captain America Captain America and we said well you can't be Captain America you could be Captain <laughs> America South but now Scarlet could be Captain America she can cover the whole range of the nation yeah I think. she can so does she draw a line at Marvel or does she delve into the DC universe? I'm not really a DC fan, so we don't watch much DC. Uh, she has, she kind of likes, uh, there's a super dog show on Max. We've watched that a couple of times, but uh, you know, fandoms along the family are kind of split by what the parents like. And so she's only pretty much seen Marvel things. Well, <clears throat> well, you never know what we'll talk about here on the yeah. podcast, but we can't, we can't wait to see Scarlet. Um, hopefully at our annual conference next year. Or, or, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So that'll be in Savannah. So we'll see her and have a big She'll time. Be there giving directions. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Me and you. Watch out. And then to our our new person too. So hopefully we yeah. can have her at the um, maybe the registration table. Just boss That's us what I was all. As well. Boss <laughs> us all around. Keep everybody on track. So that that'll be a lot of fun. But. You know, um, at SEDC, we've we've really had a jam-packed summer too. I mean, we've announced a new board, a new executive committee, new new chairs and and leadership. We announced a new foreign direct investment committee. We we eclipsed, I think, five hundred plus new members for yes. 
yep. the year. We, uh, like I said, we hired a new person. So shocker, it's uh, not a Matthew. So that's that's the upset of the century. But we hired a new um, director of membership engagement, Clay Snowden, who everyone will meet very very soon. He has a video coming out within um, the next few days. It'll probably be out around the same time as this podcast. But more importantly, like you said, we hosted SEDC's largest gathering of economy builders of all time at our 2023 annual conference. So of everything we've walked through, I know we've been busy, but what do you think your favorite memory has been? Oh, the past year, favorite memory. Um, I think just the, the sheer number of people in the main ballroom at the annual conference was, you know, it, it kind of, kind of got me to see so many economic developers in Williamsburg, at an SEC conference for the same cause, um, just kind of awe-inspiring. Yeah, that that was really really cool, um, special to me too. We we put in a lot of work and time with that, and I, I remember you and I were in the back of the ballroom for the opening ceremony, and we just thought, you know, this is really really cool to see because we knew that was the largest event that we had done. Um, and it, it looked great. It was packed. We felt really, really confident about the session. We were so thankful that some of the world's best thought leaders were with us. Um, we had the leading site selection firms. We had, I think, eight secretaries or secretary equivalent of state economic development um, leaders with us. We, we just felt really, really good. And, and I remember, too, just having a moment when so we were in Colonial Williamsburg, which is a really, really unique, neat place to be. But we're sitting back there and we thought, okay, here comes this fife and drum corps that we haven't saw. And here they come, old world, colonial looking people. And they've got these flutes that I guess are called fifes Fife. or something like yeah. that. There were two of them and they were rocking out on those things. It sounded, there were two of them, but it sounded like there were 20, I thought. Yeah. And it was just such I, a I chill from that point. I do too. I, I've loved watching the video of that over and over, but... It, that was just really, really cool. And it was almost a little just overwhelming for, for me too, just thinking, you know, this was a long time coming here and 75 plus year history of yeah. SEDC. I mean, we and our team of leaders just put uh, together a really record-breaking great thing. So I think more importantly than all that, data is suggesting that it was an impactful event for, for our members. Absolutely. So. That was um, one of my favorite memories for sure, too. And uh, I'm looking forward to making so many more. And we have so much great, cool things we're excited to announce. And then we're going to do it all over again in 2024. So a lot of good pressure we put on ourselves. But I, yeah, I think we're, I think we're up, up for the challenge. So, we are. so Matthew, thanks so much for the updates. Please uh, tell the fam and Scarlett, howdy for us. Welcome back, too. And welcome back. To our listeners who have tuned in to hear from one of the best, the, the nicest, and the most impactful people in the business. He has been a mainstay leader at SEDC for years, and, and more importantly, has been a mentor, a, a champion, and a friend to economic developers and so many pro-growth institutions throughout the American South. And, you know, as I, as I think about this person, and when I think of the word class— and now I mean this too. I immediately think of this person, one of the classiest in the business too, along with all the other accolades and attributes that make him special. It's Mr. Raul Peralta. So hello, Raul. Welcome to the podcast. We're so thrilled to have you here. Thank you, Matt. And thank you for the nice introduction. I, uh, I'm overwhelmed that you would say that about me. Well, well, you, you know, you know, we mean it. So many do too. You're such, you're such a great friend and impactful partner to so many of us to SEDC to state associations. I met you many years ago at the Kentucky Association for Economic Development, and you were such an important, meaningful asset to everything that we wanted to do specific to pro growth strategy. So we can't thank you enough for for all that you do, and for being with us here today. We have a ton. Of weeds to dig in here uh, with you. We've got some some hot seat questions and hopefully trip you up on. But before we we really dig in, how about we pull back the curtain on you a little bit and and let's get real and tell us about yourself a bit. Well, thank you. And and this is going to be uh, I would assume the toughest part of our conversation because I really am a very private person. But since it's you and it's SEDC, I'll tell you a little bit about myself which really is a story of my parents and my family. 
Uh, my family is originally from northern Spain, and both grandfathers migrated to the United States for college. One went to the U University of Kentucky. The other one went to University of Louisville. After completing their education, they moved to Cuba uh, to make their uh, careers there. Uh, one was an agricultural engineer, University of Kentucky grad, who did great things in the agricultural field. My maternal grandfather was a pharmacist in Cuba. So um, the story of Cuba is one that's well known. Um, unfortunately, it's not a happy story, but it's happy in the sense that um, our family was able to migrate to the United States in 1964, uh, two parents and four children. Our, um, our, our voyage took us from Miami to Mississippi and eventually to North Carolina, where then five children were all raised and educated. So it's a long, uh, long voyage from northern Spain to just above Raleigh, but one that I um, I appreciate every day and think of quite often. Uh, personally, I have a daughter. I was remarried four years ago um, after um, a tragedy with my uh, first wife, but I'm two for two and happy as I can be. Still living in North Carolina. You know, you and I have been friends for, for some time, and I, I I've, I've known a lot about you. I know you have a really interesting, um, interesting family background and a little bit about your journeys. But I guess I, I knew I knew the Spain connection. I did not know the University of Kentucky and University of Louisville. You know, that's a pretty hot, hot divide here in the Commonwealth. But also that you had been through Mississippi, so just such a great eclectic um, background and really great history and experience in in the American South that continues on that family legacy today with you in just such a, such a massive, massive, important way. So it's, thanks for opening up that a little bit. I, I know you're a private person too, but thanks for, thanks for sharing that and letting us uh, get to know you a little bit better, which is hard to do because so many SCDC people know you so well for, um, or have known you so well for so long. So thanks so much for that. And, you know, like we, we've said, you know, you're such an important figure for economic development and we, we love to ask people how they got involved in this space because most of us above kind of a certain age me and Matthew included a lot of us just kind of fell into this and we're really blessed uh, to have done so but how did you get involved in in economic development uh, good question uh, I based on my education um, I began the practice of environmental health and safety consulting and when I moved back to North Carolina many many years ago I began the uh, the practice of, of engineering in North Carolina. And I'll either give credit or you can blame um, people like Bob Leak when he was at Winston-Salem Business Inc. for engaging me in the work associated with economic development. And at the time, uh, the first big project that uh, he got us engaged in was a site for Dell Computers in uh, outside of Winston-Salem. So I don't know if that was the exact same first project, but that was the beginning of understanding and learning more about economic development. Uh, certainly a couple of other folks that were instrumental in, in getting me involved. One that uh, I don't know how many on this call or on this podcast would uh, recognize, Bonnie Renfro, who has since retired. Uh, Bonnie was an instrumental economic developer in North Carolina in Randolph County. Classy lady just a wonderful attribute to the state of North Carolina. Um, Scott Millard in Catawba County. Scott Millard was, got me engaged in a project at the time was called Project Dolphin, which turned out to be the um, Apple Data Center in Catawba County. And I'll tell you least, but not last but not least, uh, there's a gentleman that served as a Secretary of Commerce several years ago. His name was Keith Crisco. Keith Crisco was a unique individual, very sophisticated man, but at the same time, very down to earth. As Secretary, Secretary of Commerce, he had a significant influence on getting me engaged in this in this practice, not from an economic developer's perspective, but from a, an ally and a support organization as an engineer. It's neat to hear you answer that question because 
Um, and I think you're the first to have answered it by pointing out the various people that were so influential in your, in your journey when you were getting started that has ultimately led you to where, where you are today. And it makes a lot of sense too, thinking about, um, thinking about you because, you know, we ask you, how'd you get involved in economic development? And you name a bunch of mentors that were important to you at that time. Um, and we see how you go about your business kind of paying it back and being an asset and a resource to, to so many people as well. So really appreciate uh, your answer there and most importantly, how you go about doing um, what you do. So today you are the senior VP at, at ECS, which is one of the world's leading engineering consulting firms and an incredible partner to economic developers in the South and beyond. So talk to us about ECS and what you do to partner with communities or enterprise to move the needle in the South and elsewhere. Yeah. Well, ECS, I'll tell you first is uh, ECS was started by a private uh, individual who we're still privately employee owned, um, almost 70 offices throughout the country uh, in the Southeast, which is where I happened to, to hang out, hang out in. Uh, we are in eight states and growing. Um, I've uh, every conference that I attend, I, I make it a purpose to find someone in the next state that we're going to be growing in. And I did that in Williamsburg. So stay tuned for that. But North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, Louisiana, all those are states that um, we have a presence in and we are actively involved in in helping uh, bring projects and, and make economic development uh, a part of what a, what a state does. Um, the simple answer to us is why and how we're so committed is that, that there are people within our organization that live in those communities and it is in their best interest and in their family's best interest to make their com communities successful and ever-growing. That is the reason why you see us so heavily in involved and engaged in this practice. Uh, you know, some of the services that um, we're proud to offer and, and continue to offer are the site due diligence in, in terms of getting product ready, uh, site certification. Uh, we partner with civil engineers to look at a site and determine how buildable it is, how many acres you can truly develop or lack thereof. And then we'd like to think and we brag and we will continue to work very diligently to make sure that we we remain an integral part of attracting companies to the communities that they're they're considering. Yeah, I'm really thankful you mentioned we, we have a lot of conversation around product development site readiness um, right now. We just released a video with Secretary Don Pearson out of Louisiana saying, hey, hey, be ready when industry calls, because that is so critical right now. And there's there's been, you know, if you think about the the level of economic momentum in um, in the nation, but especially in the south where we're the primary um primary driver of economic development activity right now. Last year, our, our network did about $200 billion worth of deals that'll create 250,000 new jobs. Um, more importantly, what we're seeing, or not equally as important, what we're seeing is states, communities, regions, and the partners thereof right now are investing and preparing and strategize to perpetuate and accelerate that this level of success. And, and like you said, when, when we're successful, that's stronger enterprise families and communities. But right now we're seeing a, a big time arms race around product development and site readiness. And that is so critically important. And it's great to see just the momentum that exists around these types of, of programs and the partners like you that are um, helping us do what we do in a really smart, strategic way. So we talked a lot about the, or just mentioned a little bit about the, mo the, the momentum and the success that we see here on the South. And we know you're on the front lines and in the weeds of that as project activity is soaring. So what are you seeing right now? Are, are any kind of trends that are uh, coming top of mind? Well, I'll tell you the big trend is this, the Southeast continues to be the prime spot to, to bring opportunities and create jobs and bring companies um, and, and as they grow and as they look to uh, to, to put different uh, uh, plants or different sites in different regions of the of the nation, uh, you know that it's interesting to me as I take a thirty thousand foot view 
of of the South and in the states that uh, CDC touches. It's interesting that different states and even different regions within different states have different strengths. And those strengths, I would suggest to you, are based on the intentional planning that takes place starting at the state level all the way down to a community where um, they look at specific sectors that they're either good at or they want to become good at and then they rally the workforce and the product and the locations to to sustain that so you know advanced manufacturing clean energy life sciences and of course the the elephant in the room electric vehicles and electric vehicle related sectors and suppliers is what we're seeing all across the uh all across the south Yeah, if you if you think about, um, you know, we like to have a lot of conversation around workforce, as everyone in the economic development space does. At a time when when workforce is strained globally, nationally, the the American South is very well competitively advantaged, specific to to workforce right now. A lot of people probably don't know that over um, the past couple of years, we are at an all time high for labor force availability and participation. Now combine that with the availability and the strength that we have relative to other regions um, in the nation and the planet for site development or site readiness, product product availability, quality A plus ready to go um, sites that can provide a quick risk-free site selection experience for, for enterprise. Combine that with our workforce. And then if you think about the existing industry that is that is here we are probably about 40 percent of u.s manufacturing for example is is right here in the american south where the world's premier investment location all the advantages that we have um you know we just really think we are so well positioned to continue to be the world's premier investment location and that's because of the great network and the great professionals that we have right here in the south most many of which are part of of sedc so you know, say, saying all that, uh, can you expound uh, any more on what I just said about where we go from here or how communities can best position themselves to really capitalize on all the opportunity we have going forward? Yes, um, I, I will tell you, and I'll go back to your uh, previous topic. Um, in my humble opinion, one of the main reasons why the South is so successful is because of the not only the great universities and community college systems, but those states that have figured out that the two are connected, that creating jobs begins with developing a, a credible and, and qualified workforce. So those states who have gone to their community college system or their four-year universities and have built a straight line from point A to point B are the ones that are having the most success. And you know the, we are blessed with having numerous great community college systems and four-year universities that reflect what's happening in specific areas. Uh, to answer your question, I think the, the, the states in the South and communities need to continue to get, as we say, product ready. Um, I know right now the, the big sexy effort is to get mega sites ready, um, but you know what? There are regions and states that are also have identified mega sites and are now in the process of toning it down into a site that's not necessarily a mega site. And that's a niche that I've seen throughout the South where uh, economic development organizations will look for a 500 acre site, a 200 acre site and make that site ready for the next wave of suppliers or advanced manufacturing companies that are looking. And, you know, it used to be a 500 acre site was a big site, right? Well, now we talk about it like it's a 20 acre site. Um, so uh, there, again, there is a niche for that. So if, if uh, organizations and communities continue to work on getting product ready, I think they'll find huge success once that's done. The second one and some, somewhat associated with that is to make good buildings available. And whether it's a spec building that is being put uh, put on the ground, if you will, in anticipation of something coming, or if it's an existing building that can be um, assessed 
for its life expectancy and condition and then put on the market for a company that's looking for a specific size of building. Um, the last the last thing I'll say about that, there is a, a noticeable intentional effort throughout the South about making opportunities available to all. Uh, and, and that's that's demonstrated by the emphasis on affordable housing, for instance, and the the accessibility to to the internet, whether it's a, a rural community or a or an Atlanta or a Charlotte. Um, and so to me, that what I would call new definition of quality of life is such an important component to our success today and our success in the next five to 10 years as we make make sure that that rising tide raises all of those boats or lifts all of the boats and everybody is included in that uh, in that success, which again, to me, is the new definition of what, what we call quality of life. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I always used to love on previous versions of this podcast ask people what their definition of economic development is and you know you get a you get a myriad of responses there but but for me it's it's a lot of you know it's just about increasing enhancing quality of life for uh, for people in in whatever your service territory is and that's such a massive massive global advantage that that we have here people business enterprise they want to be in the american south because we are very well advantaged specific to quality of life and then if you think about we have it just it just is what it is we have the world's best economic developers who set the standard in our practice worldwide. So if you think about the strategy that they are having to enhance quality of life for residents and potential residents and, and enterprise, you know, it's just a really great, like you said, rising tide lifts all boats. It's just a really great um, advantage and attribute that we have in the South that for as what whatever level our quality of life is and it currently is leading you know, there are people working on housing, there are people working on placemaking, there are people just on on retail or fun things. I mean, we're really, really intentional about that in, in the South. So we'll just expect us to continue to accelerate our, our global advantage of our, um, or lean into our intrinsic qualities and that advantage will only continue to grow. So last thing on um, ECS here, you know, like we said earlier, you have been a supporter of SEDC for so long KAD for so long, NCEDA, all the other state, great state associations and organizations. It's very clear that not only are you and ECS a very generous partner, but it's it seems to be a very strategic decision, business decision that you've made to support, prop up, and engage with pro-growth and economic development organizations across the country to assure that we are equipped, capable, and impactful. So is that true? And if it is, can you talk to us about that commitment to a really strong economic development professional membership organization network? Yes. Um, we have a simple, simple strategy. I think sometimes people tend to make uh, difficult, um, make difficulty decisions or difficult decisions, excuse me, out of simple strategies. And our strategy is simply to be a good partner. And what that means is we're going to be present. You've seen that, SEDC has seen that throughout the years. We're going to be supportive, whether it's helping sweep the carpets at the end of the day, helping sponsor an event, whatever it takes, we're going to be present, we're going to be supportive, we're going to be engaged. We're not going to sit in the back of the room and not take an active role in an effort, whether it's an organization or a, a site search effort. Uh, we want to be, and we're going to be a part of the solution when it comes to economic development. It's easy to talk about what's a challenge of a site or what's what's a challenge of a schedule of a presentation. But rather than just talk about the, the, the problems, we're going to find a solution. And last but not least, we will continue, and we have made it a conscious decision to be confidential and to remember that everything we do 
is going to be confidential confidential until someone else decides that it's for public consumption. So simple strategy, be present, be engaged, be supportive, be a part of the solution, and then ultimately be responsible and confidential in what we do. It goes back to, we, we've said this so many times on this podcast, but for as, as sophisticated and, and mature and data-driven and um, really, really serious and sometimes complex industry that economic development can be, look at the heart of this thing, this is a relationship business. And, you know, when you're, you're engaged and supportive and, and being there, that that's just building relationships and trust. And that that's at the heart of what we do as connectors and, and economy builders. But I think you're such a great best practice and testament. Um, you, of course, and there are other great organizations that do this well in, in our organization, but a best practice of building relationships and being an, an engaged, available asset is, is you. And pe- people know that. And we just, we can't thank you enough for that. So aside from SED or ECS being being involved in the the SDDC and different organizations, you personally have been putting a lot of sweat equity for a long time with with SEDC. So you are you're a past chair. Aside from a member, you were the the leader of this ship uh, just a handful of years ago. Now you are leading in a different capacity as a signature top level investor uh, at SEDC. More important than any of that, you like we've said, a mentor and friend, longtime leader at SEDC. So can you talk about just your experience with this organization? I'll be happy to and proud to do so. Um, SEDC has allowed me to develop and knowledge of the economic development practice that I would have never gained uh, as quickly as I have. And it's taken me a while. Please don't think that I'm, think I'm an expert because I'm not, but it has allowed me to understand the concepts and the strategies that are utilized by states, uh, regions, economic developers, and, and understand the issues and the challenges that they face every day. And it's I, I get the fact that an economic developer is is a, a an animal of many spots and stripes, whether it's real estate, whether it's understanding incentives, um, being able to deal with and address the political ramifications of a decision, get along with their neighbors. It's so it's just a complex of issues. And this organization has allowed me to understand those, to to figure out where I fit into that puzzle. Because the last thing I want to do is stick my nose into something that is none of my business. But if I understand what that puzzle will eventually look like, then I can figure out a place where I can truly be of help without getting in the way. Um, Last but certainly not least, and we've talked about this from the beginning, the circle of friends and allies that I have been able to, to build on um, and frankly, not just work-related, but friends of mine who have been there for me on a personal basis as as my life has evolved um, have certainly brought me into uh, opportunities when the when when the opportunity made sense to do so. It, it's been a it's truly been a blessing, and I'm very fortunate to have been accepted um, like I have. Now, having said all that, the the development of my understanding and learning is ongoing. And SEDC, again, has had a huge impact of that because, and I hope I have a chance to talk about it um, in our conversation, what this organization continues to do is evolve. And with the organization evolving like like it has, then it allows me to expand my wings, if you will, and continue to learn every day as I talk to members of of this organization and people throughout the South um, to make sure that I I don't become complacent or or lazy or out of date, if you will. Um, I am truly grateful for the opportunity that this organization has extended to me to be included in the conversation. Truly grateful. I, I love how you answered that. And it just makes me feel so, so proud and, and so thankful really to be 
to be a part of, of this group because a lot of the special sauce at SEDC is just the the really strong bond of connectivity that that our people have together. And, th- and think about this. I mean, we, we represent 17 states in the American South where the majority of economic momentum and success in the country has. We are competitor states, but we all come together with American South, you know, just the pride of the South and really desire to connect and, and be to be together and learn from one another and, and all grow and move forward and paddle in the same direction just to continue to dominate global economic development like we do. But, you know, those those types of convergences just can really spark transformation either personally or professionally because look it's really e- it's it's easy to understand what's S- you know what's SCDC do well we bring people together and you know you learn something or you make a connection or um something that potentially then down the line leads to your or helps your ability or directly impacts your ability to be successful in a transformative transformal or transformational economic development project that means jobs stronger families communities this and that but the other piece of this too is Look, you can develop lifelong, meaningful, personal relationships here with like-minded friends or like-minded colleagues that can just lead to lifelong friendships. And that that's really important, too. And you can feel that here. It's it's different here than other organizations that, I, that I've been in. So transformational things can spark here. And I, I'm so thankful that you said that. And, and you had mentioned... You know, we continue to evolve. This organization or this profession has rapidly changed over the over the last few years, a uh, few decades, really, too. So, really, the charge of any organization is to con- continue to evolve right along with the the industry of which you represent. So, how's SEDC changed, just from a professional perspective, or maybe just on, um, maybe just on, you know, the last few years, you know, what, what are you seeing as far as, are, are we younger or older? Or are we retiring? I mean, just what's it look like through the years? Yeah. Before I answer that, let me go back to something that I thought about as you were, um, closing up our last t- topic. I watched, I had the, the, the pleasure of watching the Duke Notre Dame football game in Durham that took place, I think a couple of weeks ago. And it never ceases to amaze me when you see a a person from one team at the end of the game show sportsmanship and class above anything else. And what I'm I'm referring to is at the end of the Duke-Notre Dame football game, the Duke quarterback literally was hurt in one of the last plays, if not the last play of the game. The Notre Dame quarterback, Notre Dame won, by the way, the Notre Dame quarterback, a transfer from Wake Forest University, Sam Hartman, before he went to celebrate their victory, went to the Duke bench to check on the status of the Duke quarterback. So before he celebrated, he showed the class that I would like to see being shown in all sports by showing, demonstrating concern over his opponent before anything else. It amazes me how at the end of every conference, after states and organizations and secretaries of commerce have revealed some of the reasons why they're so successful, people come together and thank each other for allowing them to become better or to learn from each other. To me, that is the same sportsmanship that um, Sam Hartman showed uh, when he played and beat Duke. Um, So I I do think that's the same thing. Um, The the organization you asked about, you know, the, the organization changes every year that a new chairman comes on board. And I say that, and as I say that, I think of poor Will Williams, who was the chairman during COVID. And Mm -hmm. his focus and his priorities were so different from when I was chair and when um, Chuck Whipple was chair or or, uh, Scott Pogue, who just complete, I guess is about to complete his chairmanship. Um, So there's some things that are outside influences that affect what that organization does throughout that period of time. It also 
is dependent on the chairman's and the or the leadership's focus and priorities. For example, I just I was just asked and informed that the incoming chair will form a past chair committee to utilize whatever knowledge that we have rattling around our brains to bounce ideas off of. That is a new initiative, which I think is a terrific idea. And it reflects the, the, the I guess, the forward-looking perspective that SEDC is in the middle of right now. Um, so, you know, the topics, the topics that, uh, that are presented at Meet the Consultants or annual meetings, they change every year. And that, to me, is a um, it's another example of how we continue to evolve. We continue to be forward thinking, forward focused, and always with the with the concept of what is our membership going to get out of this organization. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, you know, so Brian Gwynn, our our chair yes. for for next year, has. Um, went ahead and already established the the past chair committee. So, you know, as future focused as we want to be, and as as in growth mode as we are right now, over the past, you know, twelve plus months, you know, 18, 18 months or so, about half of SEDC membership are new members. We have been in rapid rapid growth right now. So. Brian and other leaders on the board, they're very mindful, and, and Matthew and I are as well. Look, this this growth is really good, but if we're not careful and if we're not serving members and making sure that we're providing a, a value add there, we can have a retention problem really, really, really quick. So so we're very mindful to to manage to manage our growth and to make sure that we're still capable of service um, in a really, really smart way. But specific to kind of our our future forward approach, um, yes, that's really, really good. But you can tell we are led by a smart group of leaders because look, for as much as we want to look to the future, we also need to look back to the past to make sure that we are guided, we're mentored, and that we have a group of leaders around us to advise staff and the board as we continue to work towards growth. And that's exactly why we put the past chair committee together because there have been so many times when we're throwing a lot against the wall right now and we think, well, we ought to reach out to Raul or we ought to reach out to, to Will or just one of the past chairs just to get a sense of, have we ever tried this before? What do you think about this? Or even, you know, as we're trying to brainstorm other ways to serve or directly impact economic development, we always go back to, well, let's ask our seasoned people, our experienced people who care about, about SEDC. So I'm so thankful that, um, the board and Brian put that past chair committee together. And I can't wait to work with you all and just to learn from you all and just to grow together with, with us. And aside from just sage wisdom, I mean, we can't wait to see what you come up with too, because we know this is the forum to do it. And we have a great strategic planning retreat um, coming up in Chattanooga in just a few weeks where we're going to ask ourselves some, some tough questions and, and challenge ourselves in a lot of ways in the past chair committee it's going to be such an integral part of that. But you named a handful of past chairs, one really close to me. If you think about um, how organizations change with the chair, think about our buddy Bob Helton right now from, from Kentucky. He has had a run unlike um, too many other people that, we, that I, I can think of. So he was chair of SEDC in 2021. Okay, Bob's chair. Well, guess what happens right after that? Gene, who had been here for 25 years, everyone loved, had done such an amazing job at SEDC, important part of American South. Gene says, hey, I'm out. He <laughs> retires on, on poor Bob that year. So Bob had to um, be a major part of leading us through that transition. Well, Bob then, he stepped down from SEDC chairman. You know, these are one-year terms. He happened to be the chair of KAED in 2022. Well, then guess what happens? SEDC hires me. So if you are looking for an executive transition in your organization, bring on Bob Helton to be your board chair. Sounds, sounds like that he had a, a, he had a pretty rough two months, but such a capable, great leader that really steadied those, the, the, both of those organizations during those times. You know, and speaking of, uh, 
of Gene Stinson. I, I thought about this as I was talking about good sportsmanship. I think it is such a classy move by you and Matthew and a good show of sportsmanship, if I may put it in that category, that every annual meeting and every Meet the Consultants event, Gene Stinson is invited and he shows up. That is such a connection to the past, if you will, immediate past, but such a a show of good sportsmanship and classy that we recognize what Gene Stinson has done for this organization and how he has set the the bar to from which you and and Matthew um, and and the rest of the leadership group has has built on. So kudos to you and and uh, classy classy move. Well, you know, um, for as confident as I I like to be or, or think that that I am, you know what I don't have any confidence that I will do is make it. 25 years here, like, <laughs> like, like Gene did and yeah. kept it, kept it rolling at, at such a high level. And like you said, for as professionally accomplished as, as he is and was at SEDC, he was a very integral part of just kind of the special intrinsic connectivity friendship that we have here. I mean, when you talk about lifelong friendships that can be made at SEDC, he for sure is, is an ex- example of that. And was a really important part of, you know, what of what is so special about about SEDC? So you're right. Gene tried to retire on us. We <laughs> we did let him go a, a bit, but then we made we named him President Emeritus of of SEDC. So he's forever on staff. Sorry about that, Gene. But thanks <laughs> thanks for thanks for accepting that. But one final question before we're uh, we're gonna stop the softball questions on you here. But we um, like we said, we've been in a lot of growth mode here here recently. Um, probably 500 new members this year, a lot of which are under 40, under five years um, experience in the field. These are a lot of the, our new members are young professionals. The YPs had an event at our annual conference, so they're ready to get organized and build community and have specific programming for them. Um, not only did they meet in Williamsburg, they are very aggressive and interested in having their own standalone conference at SEDC, which we're really excited about too, even though Matthew and I have aged out of that group, like we we're in. So the young professionals are about to be an even larger, more visible piece of SEDC. So as one of the, the sages here, what is some YP advice uh, that you can give the American South network? Yeah, simple, get involved, get connected and make a difference. And as simple again, as that sounds, if you, if you, participate, just participate in something, uh, whether it's planning a social gathering, whether it's planning a topic to be discussed, uh, that, that means that you'll be connected to someone who more than likely you were not connected to before the effort started. And then at the end of the day, make a difference in whatever it is that you're involved with, just at the end of the day, Put your head on your pillow and know that you made a difference to make that um, event that much more successful. Yeah, I, I, I say the same thing. I, I like to tell young professionals, hey, you know, first get involved in your state association and help. Help there and then connect with with a mentor. Then get involved at SEDC and do the same thing except connect with someone outside of your state and see how they do it. Connect with multiple people. And, that's, and like you said, we're so willing to, to be to, – to help here and share. And, you know, as we talk about, here's why our community, here's why our state is special. There's so many nuggets that you can take back to your community. So that's, what's, that's, what's great about, about SEDC. So, you know, Raul, we've, we've dug into a lot of weeds here and you've been so gracious with your time. Uh, we've been pretty nice, like I said, with the softball questions. So it's, it's time now we're going to get real and put you on the research uncensored hot seat sponsored by our great friends at Research FDI. Research FDI is a trusted investment attraction and trade development partner working all over the world. Our listeners know Bruce Takafman, CEO, and the great work that he does to introduce global enterprise to the advantages and opportunities we have in America and especially in the American South. So thank you to Research FDI for sponsoring what is the former hot seat segment. So Matthew Darius, 
insert the spooky music here. Raul, are you ready for the hot seat? Bring it on. Okay, here we go. So first, who would play you in a movie? Oh, my Lord. Um, not a Hollywood type of guy, as you can obviously see and tell. Um, how about Steve Carell? Oh, there we go. There, there we go. I see. I see that he's one of um, everyone's favorite people too. So, are you an Office fan? Oh my gosh, I can tell you what the topic's going to be two seconds into the uh, actual TV show. Yes, I, I do can. love it. I can too. I I love I love the Office. I kind of I think I like Parks and Rec a little better. Yeah, but uh, but. But the, you wouldn't have Parks and Rec without The Office. That's true. And, I, and I've just recently got in to probably put Parks over at The Office. But, you know, I saw or someone told me that maybe an Office reboot is is coming. Have you heard of that one, Raul or Matthew? I have not. And I I hope that uh, they don't do this the typical uh, slide in the dirt kind of thing where they just try to redo it and it never takes off. So I hope it's good. Yeah, this had some steam a few years ago, and I remember um seems like a lot of the cast wanted to do it. Steve Carell might not have, as far as my recollection, but I think it's picked back up in maybe a way that that is real. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's hard to redo that show, but yes. if they do, it'll give us something to watch, and hopefully that's it's right. really well done. Yeah. So, Raul, um, you're one of the bigger travelers in, in the, the – in SEDC and in the South. So what's your favorite airport? Huh. Um, well, as you know, as I think we all know, traveling today is not for the weak of mind. Um, it's um, It has its challenges, but I would say to you that, and I'm as I'm, as I'm responding to your question, I'm thinking, but before I give you specific examples, any, any airport where the staff from the desk, whether you check in your bags to mainly the security people are friendly because it's tough enough as it is when you're basically stripping down to your underwear every time you walk through a monitor, right? Um, and being looked at uh, critically for what you may or may not be carrying. So those airports where those people are the friendliest and the gentlest, and if you forget to bring out a a, a, a coin from your from your mm. pocket, doesn't necessarily end the world as we know it. Those are my favorite uh, airports. Um, specifically, I can tell you that the Greensboro, North Carolina airport fits that mold. Uh, believe it or not, Raleigh Durham Airport fits that mold. Yeah, as big as it is, it does. Um, another one that I would suggest to you is the Asheville, North Carolina airport. Uh, most of these airports are small, but that's not really the common theme. The, the theme that I'm referring to, and I'll refer to again, is the friendliness of the staff that help us be safe. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's their job. And they do it in such a way that it's not threatening. I would say to you, it's many times almost pleasant because they're joking with you and and you know doing their job. And last but not least, I've had the 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 good fortune to travel to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and that's another airport where they treat you like you're a guest and not a potential threat to the uh to the airplane. I've always wanted to go to Santa Fe, never been, but I, I know it's beautiful out there. So good to hear that there's a good airport too, but I, I'm with you. But my favorite airports are all the regional, like the smaller regional airports that are just easy to get in and out of for one, you know, park and you're on the plane in five seconds if you want to be. Um, but my, the best of the regionals have like the cool little restaurants or bars where it's neat need to hang out but other than that i love atlanta too so i live in kentucky so everywhere i fly i usually have to connect through atlanta i don't have to deal with the front end atlanta stuff which i know is tricky and yeah. can be difficult but i love being in connecting through atlanta for sure so okay here's here's a really easy one this isn't hot seat here so what's the best university in north carolina is it north carolina or is it duke you know what i've never heard of either one of those <laughs> Um, so I can't, uh, I can answer, I can't answer the latter part of the question, but I will tell you that 
the best university in North Carolina is North Carolina State University, where the top engineers are educated. Now, I will tell you that, um, that to, to follow up on that, because I do have friends in both, in all universities, um, the, the main reason that my parents moved us to North Carolina was because of the, the education that would be available to us. And so my older brother went to Duke. I went to NC State. My sister went to Meredith College, a very, very well-known at the time uh, school for, for women. Um, and my two younger brothers went to Wake Forest. So um, I would say NC State's at the top, but certainly Duke and Wake Forest are uh, a, a close second. How about that? See, that's how kind and classy that you are. Because look, I, I know you're a big Wolfpack fan. And I know you're NC State through and through and through, but you you handled that in a really, really classy way because I thought you would, you know, let me have it for that one. But that's, I mean, you're too classy for that. But yeah, yeah I, I know you're a big Wolfpack guy. I um, I think NC State has the coolest gear, I think, aside, aside from engineering and, and the real importance of universities. But if you talk about the athletics, NC State, their stuff always looks good. Their, their, state, their football stadium's amazing. They have the coolest basketball court in all of the country, I think. So I, uh, I could see myself getting into um, NC State in, in the future too. If you ever have a chance, come to a football game uh, and tailgate with me. Uh, we're certainly not the only good tailgating school in the South. I know that Clemson, Alabama, LSU is off the charts, especially at night. NC State has a great uh, tailgating. We're we're not at the level of the Alabama and LSUs and or Clemson in terms of quality of football, but uh, tailgating is just as good as anybody can can lay claim to. I've heard that. I, I've heard that too. So uh, they just legalized sports betting in Kentucky recently. So one of the first bets I made. So I'm a big UK fan. Okay, University of Kentucky. One of the first bets I made was, hey, I know Louisville football is going into NC State at night. There's no way, no way that crowd's going to let Louisville win that game. Uh, so I'm betting on the pack here. Nope, <laughs> lost that. They they let me down on that one. Yeah, hey, we laid an egg in the second half. Sorry about that. <laughs> so. Uh, almost almost done here. So people that know you really well and people that have been around you at, at conferences at SEDC or some of the state associations know that you are kind of a known foodie and you, you usually have the best restaurant recommendations in most cities. So what are your uh, few of your favorite spots to eat in the South? Hmm. Well, in the South and in no particular order, um, I will tell you that there's a place in Asheville that serves Spanish tapas, and it's called Curate. That is a terrific place. Call in advance um, to get a table or a seat at the bar. There's a place in Santa Fe called Geronimo. It is off the charts good. Um, there's a place in Little Washington, Virginia called the Inn at Little Washington. If you're ever in that area, well, if you ever plan to be in that area, call in advance and see if you can get a table. Um, and two others that one is sort of in the South. I mean, it's definitely in the South, but it's one that you probably wouldn't think of. Um, it's, it's a place called Versailles. Versailles is a Cuban restaurant in Little Havana, Miami, Florida. It is like my mother was in the kitchen. It is outstanding, not what you would call fancy, but really good. Hmm. And the last one I'll share with you, fancy and one of the best known, best known restaurants in the world is a restaurant that my father and I had a chance to visit and eat at in San Sebastian, Spain. Again, northern Spain. And the name of this place is called Aquilare. And I'll spell that for you, A-K-E-L-A-R-E. It is fancy, beautiful, and the food is just off the charts good. So um, I'll say one last thing. I had a, the, the the good fortune of being chair when we went to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. And it's just ridiculous 
the 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 restaurants and the way that people can eat well in that city. I love it. Had a great time there. Thank you to my friends in Louisiana for for letting them be a part of that. But I just say just about anywhere in New Orleans, it's got to be good. Oh yeah, that that was a great conference. So that was 2019. I, I still yeah. remember that re- really really well too. You did such a great job for that event. A lot of fun too. I. I remember being in New Orleans. I remember being amongst our people, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's, it's got a little fuzzy after that, as New Orleans can sometimes <laughs> do. But yeah. that was um, up until just a couple months ago, that was the biggest SEDC event of all time. And we that was our benchmark as we were putting Williamsburg together. We had um, a chart of what happened in New Orleans and what you did every month, revenue, people, agenda, all of this. That was our bellwether um, even to this day, and it, it will continue to be. That was just such a strong, strong conference, and it's still one of the. It might be. We we'll need to check. It's probably probably the highest. Um, maybe Williamsburg, but probably the highest just rated event because people really love that. People want to go back to New Orleans too. So we'll be in Savannah next year for our annual conference. I don't know if we're allowed to say or not where we're going to be in 2025 or 2026, but you can check the SEDC website. They're there. You can register. As well, we'll be in the western part of our territory, and then we'll be at a beach in 2026. So, looking. You know, forward. one of the one of the greatest things I've noticed about the the annual conferences is that you, we hold them in such unique unique regions of the country, and then you go about finding very specific and cool places to, for instance, hold the opening ceremonies, if you will. Uh, I remember New Orleans being at the uh, World War II Memorial or the World War II Museum. Museum, yeah. thank you. Uh, I remember not too long ago be, uh, closing out the conference in San Antonio at a Western Museum, and I forget the name of it. Something so different. And then you talked about this past year with the uh, the Williamsburg Colonial USA flavor to it. Um, mm-hmm. I if, if I can encourage you to do anything is to continue to look for venues like that, that not only show off the region, but are so unique to those of us who don't live there. Uh, so the the opening in and I'm not just saying this because you're here, but the the opening reception in New Orleans for your conference was my favorite SEDC reception I've ever been to. Um, is you know it was powerful to be there. Not only did they they allow us access to their their great lobby kind of networking grand space, which also had a lot of artifacts and museum things to see. They let us go through the entirety of the museum too. It was really really powerful. This is something I'd always wanted to see anyway, and I'm sure a lot of us were like this. But then SEDC and you made that available for us. It was really really powerful, great experience. Well, let's be clear. Uh, the person who made it available to us and who was instrumental in in making that happen was the Secretary of Commerce with the uh, the great state of Louisiana, Don, Don Pearson. Su- Don such a, Pearson, yeah. such a great friend. Yeah, and instrumental in making that whole event uh, what it was. So. Yeah. Yeah, great friend. We just put out a video that he did for us uh, recently out on yeah. SEDC social social media. So he, he's still a big part of our organization. Um, it's an honorary life member too. We're lucky. We're lucky to have him in the South and at SEDC. So finally, um, where will we see you on the road over the next couple of months and how do people get in contact with you? Yeah. Well, next couple of months, of course, Thanksgiving is coming up. Uh, so I'll be uh, staying home to, to, to have my daughter visit with me, but you know what? I'll be in my car and I will be traveling to Tennessee. I'll be in Nashville. Uh, later this month, I'll be uh, traveling throughout North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, I'm planning to come to Louisville. So I'm traveling throughout the Southeast of the next couple of months. And, uh, you know, the easiest way to reach me is on my cell. And that's, uh, if I may put a plug in for my cell number is 336-209-5923. Half car will travel. <laughs> There, there we go. So I think maybe I'll see some of your colleagues in Kentucky in the southern part of the state next week. So looking forward yes. to, to seeing the ECS crew in, in the great Commonwealth. So with with that, you're off the hot seat. We made it. So what'd you think, sir? Uh, I think it's wonderful. Thank you for uh, thank you for showing interest in me. I'm 
I'm truly humbled that uh, what I would have to add to to this organization is is uh, treasured and and uh, wanted, if you will. Well, uh, Raul, you're you're always too too nice to us. So thank you so much for for your leadership and being such a huge, massive part of SEDC and, and other organizations. So we can't thank you enough for your time. I know we spent, we spent a good chunk of the day here. So thank you for joining the podcast. More importantly, thank you for your service to the council and, and the American South. So there's a lot of growth and energy in the South and in SEDC. And that's, uh, we thank you for your part in that. We know you're uh, spending a lot of time with us. So thank you so much for everything that you do. And before we leave, we want to invite all listeners to check out the SEDC website at www.sedc.org and follow us closely on social media as well. We want our members part of everything that we do. So to get plugged in, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or email, or you could even give us a phone call too, just uh, after you hang up with Raul. So Thank you so much, SEDC. Join us next time on the SEDC podcast presented by Insightful.